0: Are Locked On Wildcats your daily podcast on the Arizona Wildcats?
1: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for keeping it locked on, Wildcats. I'm your host, Mike Luke, and we got a very special guest today, but I want to actually lead with something a little unique. This show is brought to you by betonline.ag. And you know what? This isn't a 60-second read. This is only a 10-second read. So, therefore, that gives way to the real AG, Anthony Gimino combined with John Schuster, two of about five Suns fans that I've known... Uh, That have been Suns fans their entire life. Hello, Anthony. How are you? Hello, Mike Luke. (laughs) Thank you, sir. All right, guys. Hello, Anthony. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk a little bit here about the Suns and about how weird it feels to be in this spot right now. Because I know, like, you guys aren't as big an NBA people as me, but, you know, the Suns, I think, have probably galvanized you a little bit there. Is that fair to say?
0: Yeah. I mean, I will, will. Will I watch the Suns in the NBA playoffs? Heck yeah! But that's because I started watching them in 1975 76. And that's going to be. That's, I mean, that's when the Phoenix fell in love with the Suns. And I was, okay, I was eight years old. My parents moved to Phoenix in 72 mm-hmm. until that season, that 75 76, the little team that could season. I didn't know this Phoenix had a basketball <laughs> team. I swear <laughs> to God. I mean, I'm, I mean, I was only like five to eight years old, so I was a little, I don't know, maybe football, baseball. Didn't know Phoenix had a basketball team, but when they started winning in 75 76 and then through the magical playoff run, yeah, that's when, you know, I, I, I'll say kind of a fan for life.
1: But that's, that's everything
0: fair. that happened, everything that kind of happened after, say, Walter Davis it hasn't really resonated as much as it does to people. Like, Tom
1: Chambers era? What about the Chuck era? Did that register at yeah, all? Yeah, I
0: mean, a little bit, but right. I, there, are, there were much many more people passionate about that era and that team than I was. Right. Now, was I watching? Yes. Was I engaged? Yes. But the time has passed. Mm-hmm. If they had won any time from, like, 75 right. or 76 to 79, when they had another great chance, another great team. That would have been. That would have been like my number one
1: childhood. Never. Now, let me ask you guys this: It feels like, and again, I've been a Suns fan since basically when I discovered sports in about '91. So, it, but it always feels with the Suns that every time something good is about to happen that, you know what, something bad happens. You think back to the, we, and we t- we talked about it before, but, you know, the year with Charles Barkley, they could have maybe done something. Richard Dumas gets hurt. He's the only one that can really cover uh, uh, MJ. Then later on, you've got the Steve Nash, uh, Amari Stoudemire team gets suspended. Then this year, you're thinking with Chris Paul, you're like, well, Chris Paul, he's, gonna, he's fully vaccinated and he's going to miss his first two games for COVID <laughs> protocols. So there we go. But it feels like this is the little train that could at this time, guys. It's a little bit, this one's weird because everybody else in the NBA playoffs this year is like the Suns.
2: So the Suns have all of this weird stuff going on, but so did the Nets, and it seems like so did the Sixers, and so did the Lakers, and 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 so did Denver, and so did the Clippers, and and so, and the, it seems like everybody, instead of the Suns having the weird thing that happened... The entire NBA had weird things that happen come playoff time. And as a result of that, the team that's accustomed to having weird things happen is still in the conversation. And if you look at them, if they play their best, you'd have to consider them, you know, very high up the pecking order. And that's the weird thing. You actually have the weirdest feeling they could win this but thing. That,
0: that is exactly what's so weird about it. Especially when they got, you know, to the Final Four now. it's like, oh my God. God, they could and should win this thing.
2: Yeah, and this is—it's also there's there's also the possibility that they pull what you know. You talk about the Barkley team that ultimately played Jordan, Mm -hmm. the bigger frustrating Suns teams are the two years later, the 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 Suns teams that. Won, had a two oh lead after winning at Houston and lost the series and then had a three one lead and lost to Houston the following year in the two years that Houston won titles back to back. Those are the because you can argue forever could the Suns have beaten Jordan if you know Sabalos was healthy. You know, you can argue maybe not. Because, you know, Jordan is, you know, an exemplary player. So glasses just went flying. So if Chicago wins <laughs> it's that exciting. But the two but the two series against Houston Phoenix should have won that, and then they would have won two titles. And then the year that they had Nash, with all the weird San Antonio stuff that went on, uh, that and and then ultimately, you know, the NBA suspending the wrong players for a fight that Robert Horry started when he was with San Antonio, that gave San Antonio the advantage <laughs> as opposed to Phoenix the advantage. In reality, the Suns should have three championships, two Mm. that they blew series against Houston and the one uh, where they would have beaten the Cavaliers, Mm. uh, just as San Antonio did. Instead, they have none. And now we're in this position, and Bruno the dog agrees, (laughs) (laughs) very much much so. We are in this position uh, where, you know, there's always this, okay, what's it going to be next? What's gonna happen? Well, when is when sure. is the bottom gonna fall off? And, and maybe in a weird way, that's I'll, part of the adorable thing. Frustration about being a fan and being a Suns fan. It is
0: because if you've been a Suns fan for forty-five years or fifty years, even longer than us, the, if they win, none of everything you just described,
2: uh-huh.
0: none of it will matter. And I tell you that as, as a, Red a Red Sox fan, <laughs> in after 2004, 1975, didn't matter anymore. The 1978 one-game playoff against the Yankees, didn't matter anymore. The eighty six World anymore. Series, Mets, Buckner, did not matter. The lousy 90s, forgotten about. 2003 and...
1: And so it's that easy. It just wipes everything it away. It
0: does. It seriously does. And then it just becomes a funny story you tell when, when because you, because you've got the championship.
2: Anthony, when you you know before 2004, Suns fans, Suns fan, Red Sox fan. Similar. Those were two those were what? Two of the top 5 uh, professional sports uh, dry spells. Because the Sun, yeah, and, and the suns like, don't get talked about obviously as right. much as the Red Sox, but the Suns belong in that conversation. But like
0: the Red Sox, the Suns were usually good. They were never well. So, some years they were, horrible. some years they were horrible. You generally
1: know? could bank on but, them winning about fifty-four percent of their regular season yeah, games. Yeah,
0: but I mean, like the John McCloud years, they're winning 50-55 mm-hmm. right. games every year, but where they they were never the best team, right? And they're always getting beat in the playoffs, hmm. but they were close and like for a lot of years the Red Sox were the same way and they were never the worst franchise well okay some years (laughs) they were I'm sorry I keep uh, making assumptions but yeah they were good but always there was always heartbreak there was always some bizarre set of circumstances that kept you from winning it all and that just when you win it it I'm telling you it makes it that much
1: when you guys were growing up what was it like? Was it very much of an organic feeling rooting for the Suns? Was it very much of? A, I mean, just what was it like being a Suns fan growing up in Phoenix when they're kind of a benign entity? No, they're they're no. they're they're not a benign entity at all. They are the nationally. Oh, well, forget nationally. That's what I mean. I, I mean, I mean,
2: that's, that's like community. saying that's that's like saying that U of A basketball in 1988 was a benign entity to Wildcat fans in Tucson. It's it, it's in many ways the it's in many ways the same conversation. If you're in Arizona and you're a, a Suns fan, these the Suns are the first professional team in the state. They give you legitimacy. They give your city, your state legitimacy that it hasn't had yet. You hear all the crap about L.A. You hear all the crap about back east. You hear all the stuff about you know at this time in the mid '70s, you're talking about the Warriors and Rick Barry winning it all. And there's always somebody else. And now you have your team that you can pull for that occasionally is doing reasonably well and has a chance.
0: Because everybody was a fan of something else. If you if you were into baseball, you were in, you were probably a Dodger. In Grandpa Phoenix, you were a Dodgers fan because right. they were on the radio every night. Right. You were a Dodgers fan. Um, if you it was either football. Who were the good teams in the mid seventies? You were Denver. Yeah, it was either Cowboys, at least at my school, it was Cowboys or Steelers. Right. We were like 50 Right. You know, Sharks and Jets or whatever they were. <laughs> <laughs> it's pick 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 a side. And then um you know, basketball it was everybody was a Suns fan.
1: Well, Anthony, have you ever had a built bar? I haven't, but I've heard about it. The thing about the built bar is, if you look at these teams, you talked about a city full of vigor back in the day, Phoenix, when the Phoenix Suns got, you know, when they were good, and you know, like your first sports team. I would imagine if a built bar was around back then, that this community probably would have been plowing these things down with as much strength and gusto as that this team this team really elicited back then. Is that fair? Oh,
2: unquestionably.
1: All they have to do, all they would have had to do going back in time is go to
2: GNC because GNCs were everywhere, as were built bars. Because built bars went into the Wayback Machine, you were chomping those things down beautifully. Just as you can chomp those things down, 250 a pop, bam, go to GNC, you got yourself a built bar. Is that
1: it? 250 a pop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anthony, I, I would recommend a built bar. All right, guys, on the other side, why don't we actually talk a little bit about this team? And you know what? There's a U of A basketball connection. It is technically a U of A podcast, so we're probably going to get to that connection for about 45 seconds during this podcast. You're listening to Locked On Wildcats. Thanks for keeping it locked on, Wildcats. I'm your host, Mike Luke, with Anthony Chimino, John Schuster, Bruno right in here as well, uh, just making sure that we're safe in here. Bruno, quit throwing my glasses all over the room. Yeah, now Bruno's so mad he's not even looking at Schuster (laughs) right now. (laughs) So... I always want to talk a little bit about DeAndre Ayton. When you watch him right now, and we've talked about it before, but this is your uh, the first real the real inception of the AG era on uh, Locked On Wildcats, and this won't be the last, guarantee it. Mm. So <laughs> you're like, right,
0: yeah. <laughs> well,
1: there sounded like suspicion uh, and skepticism is, there.
0: Well, that's you have to decipher: is that a threat? <laughs> is that a promise? <laughs> is is, that, is this a promotion? <laughs> Punishment? I don't know what that is. But Anthony, I wanted to get uh, locked because, on. Per-
1: <laughs> you you and i used to have you know uh, uh we used to be on the wildcat pre- and post-game show lots of good times you know I've got uh, yeah, yeah, I, I got a got t-shirt, t-shirt yeah yeah i got a t-shirt you know we're in different roles now i'm a producer you know so things like that but the one thing that you and i would talk about when deandre ayton hit campus was uh <laughs> <laughs> i never seen anything now, like this before.
0: Which is always your favorite topic. It is.
1: It is. But because – and we'll talk – maybe we'll talk some football right. another time because I know the three players that uh-huh, you said uh-huh. that look different than everyone else. But Aiton, I feel, is starting to – you can tell he's so – he's still raw and rough around the edges. It's not like he's going down there and he's Akeem Olajuwon in the low post. But you can tell now by just giving effort out there. Guys, he's essentially giving you right. 22 and 10 every single night. Is now.
0: anybody talking about how he – loafs around the court anymore no no they're not
1: and and honestly like when i watched him i thought that we were looking at a guy that could be a transcendent type talent now i guess it depends on what your definition of transcendent is but this is he helps the suns get a championship that's going to play a big role around these parts right but the thing about it it's kind of scary to think about what he can do because if you watch him right now he's basically still getting his buckets off you know, right. running the court, hustle and he's getting yeah. 22 and 10 every single night. What right. happens then when that next step happens because we've seen him up close. You know he's got the capability of being more of a feature type scorer. Yeah, he's I mean, he's rolling out of bed and getting what he's getting. Right.
0: But is there still okay, what's his to get to get to the next level? Mhm. Doesn't in today's NBA,
1: doesn't he have to become a shooter? And that's the thing, but I don't that's where I that's where the NBA loses me to a certain extent mm-hmm. and uh I, I firmly—I wonder, like, if a guy like David Robinson had come around in this era, where, are they forcing David Robinson to basically stand out of the three-point line and shoot three-pointers? If or? they are, they're stupid. Well, that's but, but that's yeah. what I'm saying, and I kind of um, wonder that.
2: And and, and with Aiton, you know what, if you've got a, a guy like that with that kind of skill set, then you don't have to play the same kind of game as everybody else. Right. You know, so, so do—
1: play to his strengths, and the Suns, I think, have done a good job of that. And the one thing that's fun about the Suns, too, is when you watch the NBA, and a lot of people kind of tune out because they say, Mm -hmm. you know what, there's not a lot of defense, it's just three-pointer. If you watch the Suns, though, they play basketball the right way. Fair to say? Well, that's
0: why they're they're the most complete team left in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. They shoot, they got a big man, they play defense, they share the ball, they... all of
2: that. And you don't
0: necessarily see that all the time. Yeah, it seems time. like there's a lot of,
2: there are a lot of, they have individuals like, like, I look at Atlanta, and Atlanta mystifies me. You know, I don't know how Atlanta's made it this far. They've got one guy who seems to be able to, who jacks up 65 shots a game and scores 42 points, but in the fourth <laughs> quarter, manages to hit a big shot that matters. Somehow they've gotten the game close enough at that point where he can make a difference there, but they look like yeah they've got other pieces, but Trey Young's the guy. Yeah. Milwaukee has, and Mike's talked about this, where Milwaukee appears to be with Giannis, a guy who is excellent. Giannis, but First name. Um, uh, yes, <laughs> because, because <it's> easier, <laughs> yeah, because only you can pronounce his last name. And can and, and can you spell it? I don't Wade. Nah, okay. I don't Wade in Mike Luke Waters. This is your podcast, Mike Luke. You can pronounce. Well, I, mean, I can't. You're I, on I, it two to three I, times a week. I I'm, think we have co-ownership. I only, at this point. I only fake pretending to try to be able to pronounce the last name. Can't do it. I yield that. I yield that burden. I yield that, that, to me. I yield that yeah. excellence and that burden to you. But you're the one who's talked about how in the playoffs he seems to be somebody who may be a little bit more predictable and scoutable. Mm-hmm. Which, which puts Milwaukee perhaps in a little bit of a quandary, and you know up until this year, they've had problems with their uh, postseason runs. Then you have the Clippers, who are really well put together but are dealing with injury issues, but they don't have an Aiton-type guy on the mm-hmm. inside, mm-hmm. which uh, makes them kind of uh, problematic. So if you look at what's left, you've got Aiton, a big guy. You've got Paul, who can uh, run the pick-and-roll very well. As this series progresses, we'll see if his... COVID fatigue issues, or, or if, he get, if he can get his sea legs under him. In game three, for instance, Paul obviously strong and it looked like he was just, you know, he wasn't ready to play. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that isn't a lingering issue because obviously it's a problem for Phoenix. But even so, you've got a guy like, you've got a guy in Aiden who makes things really difficult for people on the inside, and you have a guy in Booker, who can score in bunches if you need buckets, and then you've got two or three guys who can defend the wing. It's a, you know, they're a well-constructed team.
0: All right, let me ask you this, though: What kind of warm and fuzzy feelings do you have for DeAndre Ayton as, as an Arizona Wildcat? Next to none. Same here. You know, you know what's it, crazy? It, I mean, yeah, he played here a year. He was good. They yeah. lost to Buffalo. I,
1: you know what? Anthony doesn't know this, but he's also going to be recording a podcast with us after this for about 20 minutes. and that was not something, know that. Yes, and that is something that I was going to uh, <laughs> steal. But isn't that crazy, though? Look at it this way. Mike Bibby never talked to the media. Mike Bibby was only here a year and a half. You talked to me. Well, yeah, well you, you and talk Steve. to Anthony Jameen. You and Steve. You know, I, I, wrote,
0: I wrote a cover story for Sporting News on him. Did, did I, you know th- that Anthony Jamino th- had a
1: cover story? Can I see it? <laughs> a, a cover story? You've never, show you have a never shown me this out of well, all Mike the stuff Biddy. you've given me.
0: I did a story out on he and his mom.
1: Oh, oh did you know that uh, she was estranged from Henry Bibby?
0: <laughs> I,
1: I might have. Every single... Actually, over <laughs> in the cabinet right there, I've got a John Schuster <laughs> and John Moradich <clears throat> column from Cat Tracks, Cat Tracks from watching Mike Bibby, and there's pictures nice. that... the. the the, uh, uh, the photo doesn't look great, so I assume Schuster might have taken. That's t- probably right. Who took the photos when you guys? Uh, a bunch right? of different people. I don't think John or I took photos. Which,
2: even as rough as the photos could be, was probably still an upgrade. Fair enough.
0: But, but you know, they they were using film.
2: Right? <laughs> yes. yes <laughs> we'll yes. explain <laughs> film to you one day. What about? Did you have a pinhole camera? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You had to get the flash just right.
1: But the problem with that is that. Nobody ever made a shot after the flash got in their eyes, right. and so you hope that the form was really good. When I uh, actually, I won the science fair in the entire city with a pinhole camera in the entire city. It was city. called refraction action. Oh, that's really no, it's good. good. It's that good. sounds like a Seagal movie. Uh, okay. <laughs> yes, it does. But well, but just to maybe Anthony something else. Just,
0: but this isn't that kind of
1: podcast. Just to Anthony's point, real quick though. Bibby is the best comparison that I can come up with in one front because he was the first guy that I remember at the U of A that seemed like he was in and out of here really quickly. I mean, I don't remember a two and done guy before him um, well, out of high school. Unless you're, yeah,
0: let's uh, you go back to the early '70s, right? So. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. Well, you know, which you don't. No, I definitely don't. <laughs> no, don't. no thing. I don't care <laughs> about the Kitty core. Sorry, no offense, but um, the Kitty core takes offense. They, they certainly, certainly they do. <laughs> but Bibby, I felt like I knew though. And I don't, right. I don't know if that was just me, like, reading clips and because he was such a phenom coming out of Phoenix, but I felt like when Bibby left after the Utah game, I felt like I knew everything about Mike Bibby. I felt like I was invested in him as an Arizona Wildcat. To Anthony's point, DeAndre Ayton went to the U of A, but he, when I think of the all-time players that I enjoyed watching the most, mm. he's the most talented, but he's probably not in my top ten list. And I think that's just... It. That has a
2: lot to do, as, as has been discussed, a lot by folks who worked in the media two and three decades ago about how the business and sports information and public relations changed and how coaches were allowed to circle the wagons and uh, make people less accessible using excuses like, social media is bad or we don't want people to say anything to cut off feature stories that made it difficult for people to connect which i don't think is a good thing for the community but uh you know every coach everywhere functions that way and it's just you know one of those things that happens one and it's unfortunate.
1: En- one entity though that is on the forefront of the combat against less accessibility is rockauto.com rockauto.com is making it so you can get where you want, when you want. As you've talked about, Schuster, I you've used RockAuto. Not only that, just the other day, I got my
2: uh, monthly rockauto.com newsletter in really? my email. Uh, wow, and you've know,
1: and you spoke from experience. Rockauto.com gets you where you want. Anthony, you drive a very fuel efficient car, but if you ever needed something, you know, if the car went down a little bit, there's a good chance that rockauto.com could come to the rescue like it came for John Schuster. So I should sign up for the newsletter. You should sign up for the newsletter. For Anthony Cimino, John Schuster, and Mike Luke, you've been listening to Locked On Wildcats.